They shoot the shit. They shoot, they shoot the shit. Shoot, 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 shit, shit, shit. Shooting the shit with Chippa. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Shooting the Shit with Chippa, one of many, 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 many podcasts where you can hear me. And because you're listening to this and because I keep making these, I think you want to hear me. So thank you. Um, Particularly, these people really, really enjoy hearing me talk to people. They are my $15 or more a month patrons. They are Mason, Christopher Finnick, Patricia Chipman, Hugh K. Campbell Jr., Alex Peregrine, Kevin C.V., Mike the Gatherer, Tyler Freshcorn, and Mark Price, and my newest patrons, Jeremy, Seth Decker, and Trayvon Mack. This week's episode, as a lot of them are, was brought to you by the Geeks with Shields podcast. Each week, hosts Axel and Ulrich provide a nerdy escape from the darkest timeline, talking everything from comics to long-forgotten movies and TV shows. If the darkest timeline has you down, check out the Geeks with Shields podcast for all your nerdy needs. And with that, a guest that is altogether new to this show and only recently um, befriended me on Twitter. Good sir, introduce yourself to the world. Well, hello. My name is Chris Pranger from on Twitter as the Chris Pranger. If you ever Google me, I'm the one that pops up. <laughs> um, I, uh, I I I've interacted with you. Well, not technically interacted with you yet until now, but I I'm familiar with you through uh, your brother Bob. Um, Bob and I were colleagues at The Escapist way back in the earlier days of The Escapist. Oh, awesome! See, I yeah. I, I do I do almost zero prep so i'm surprised by everything and um, i didn't i didn't know that so hey can, thank you so much for being a part of that amazing thing slash crazy mess that that became boy it was i mean yeah it was a crazy time and i i was on a little uh show that i was there for four years with my buddies uh kyle martinek and, and daniel epstein we did a show called no right answer and yeah was, all yep. right cool yeah, that was us and we did that for for four years and it was nice that like we we ended up surviving so many different weird times at the escapist because we were the smallest show on there and we had a really really simple deal with them it's like so we're only going to get paid based on like x amount of views so it's like i think every time we hit like the fifty thousand view threshold we got like a ching ching so for them it was like no costs like yeah we're gonna run it and if it does well we pay for it if it doesn't do well we don't pay for it and so it was just nice for us i mean it was essentially our version of shoot the shit of just here's three buddies get together and just talk about anything we feel like for a while and this the hard part though was that we i had moved to washington after like the first year of us doing it and the other two guys are still in uh, portland and so every time we wanted to film, one of us would have to drive three and a half hours to the other guys. Oh. And so we'd usually film in batches of six to ten episodes, and which you could definitely tell when you would watch the episodes for like a month and a half. You could see where in the cycle we were, where it's like, okay, this episode, they've got a lot of energy. And then like a month later, they're getting kind of tired. And a month later, they look exhausted, like they don't want to be doing this. It's like... Yes, this is the downside of recording so many episodes in a row, but that was kind of the only way we could do it since it was still very much a hobby and all three of us at that point had had kids and, and full-time jobs and it was just, you know, let's keep this this geeky thing alive for as long as we can. Still a lot of fun. It's really interesting to hear somebody um, from kind of the side of it that I'm approaching it from because most 
most of the people that I find are, you know, they were more in my brother's camp, you know, of, you know, I'm, I'm a single guy been, you know, either having an art degree or a film degree or a video game thing, or just want to be a journalist. And you fall into those roles, um, you know, with Bob, right. He, he got into it because of those contests that people put him in, you know, he Mm -hmm. got, he got, you know, visualized that way, but he had been doing that for 12 years, you know, and when he approached me, I don't know if you've, you've heard through listening to these, how I ended up doing this. Uh, I don't want to repeat it if you've heard it, but. Oh, please do. Okay. So, so Bob, obviously in, in the circles that he runs in kind of a big deal, whether it's because people really like him or because people can't stand him, it, it doesn't really matter. There's, there's, there's a name to be found there. And he said, Hey, everybody's approaching me. He goes, I go on a lot of podcasts, but I've never done one. He mm-hmm. said, and I, I want to do one. He said, but I can't, I don't have time to put any more pre-work into anything. I need something that's just off the cuff and interesting Every time I sit down to do it, he said, so do you want to be my co-host and we'll record a couple episodes? You know, he says, you and I could just, you know, call each other and go, Hey, you know, I read earlier today that, you know, George Lucas did a backflip wearing a Jar Jar Binks costume and we could talk for two and a half hours about that. Right. So, um, we started doing it and people really started to like it. And what I didn't know is that he had been listening excuse me, in when I, you know, was saying, you know, oh, it would, because I was doing a lot of engineering consulting at the time mm-hmm. and there's nothing worse, I'm sure than, than you probably know of doing your day job for, you know, a, a nice 40 hours a week, like a good American boy, which is really like 50, <laughs> 60, 70, 80, you, you, you know, how that really works. That nice salaried position, um, mm-hmm. which again, I, I love, I love my day job. I, I have a very, very nice degree and a very good job, but to then come home and go, okay, I want to be a single income household. So my wife can stay home with my kids. How are we going to make ends meet? Mm-hmm. It turned into now I have to do more engineering when I get home. Yep. And so that was really, really eating away at me, having to have other bosses that were like friends of mine. And at my day job, at least it's, you know, okay, well, you know, that didn't work today. We can go to sleep and wake up tomorrow and try again with them. It's like, no deadline, deadline, deadline. I'm like, no, I can't do this anymore. Mm -hmm. And so he heard that and he goes, all right, Chris, here's what I've done. I've set you up a Patreon. Um, I want you to come record this video right now. He like came to my house and did this. He said, and the show is yours. Have fun. <laughs> and I went, really? And he goes, yep. And he goes, this is yours. You have a fan base now. Go for it. And it, I got addicted and just came up. I'm like, I loved that show so much. That's like, well, I want to keep, I want to keep my brother um, <laughs> because, you know, that's really interesting stuff. But I bet I could do that with other people. And that's where this show came from. And then it's like, oh, and I bet I, you know, could do a blockbuster one. My original idea for the blockbuster one was that I was going to write the stories that all of me and my friends like experienced when we were there, but like mm-hmm. do like a hyper reality version of them and make like a welcome to Night Vale kind of story <laughs> oh, that yes. took place revolving around a blockbuster. But I said, you know what? That's going to take way too much time in writing what if I just got my friends on to tell their stories and then that mm-hmm. people started writing in, well, do you want, do you want a guy that worked for the competition or do you want a guy that worked at a porn shop? And it's like, <laughs> Oh, this, this goes nuts. So that, that shows become big. And then, you know, lo and behold, 
a month after I released my first Blockbuster episode, Talkbuster, mm-hmm. the the Oregon store became the last in the country. Yep. And then Cold they bend. then they contacted me and wanted to be on my show. <laughs> and it's like, all right, this is really cool. So that that's kind of how all that happened. So I'm I'm just I'm you know, talking to somebody else has a long way to get there that, you know, was trying to do this, but at the level that, you know, like an actual site, you know, with a contract and everything like Bob was doing, but actually, you know, you guys, it's a hobby and you have families and you have a lot more to lose, a lot more skin in the game. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And I, I, you know, I can't imagine just talking to him daily on how that was for him. You know, I, oh, just, yeah. I, I, when you're, when you're doing it, one is a hobby, but also for extra income and two have, you know, other people that rely on you. That's, it was that's hard. I, the hustle is, is exhausting to see, especially from being not completely on the outside, but like you, you dip a toe into the hustle and you go and you see everyone else like drowning in the pool and you're like, Oh, I think I'll just kind of, I'll just I'll just sit here at the edge, like splashing my feet in, in the in the pool while you guys are are, are floundering around. Because like being that little teeny show, um, doing little things, and like we did a podcast for the Escapist for about a year, and I I had just thought, hey, I had been doing a podcast previously with my best friend Kyle, and I'm like, hey, why don't I pitch it to the Escapist and see if they want to pick it up? And they were. This was during a wave where they were like picking up everything for better or worse, mostly worse, unfortunately. But it was like, hey, you strike while Aaron's hot, as as the trite saying goes. And so I'm like, hey, um, we're gonna do a podcast. Do you want to buy them for like, I think I think said like hundred dollars an episode? It's like every two weeks, just give me a hundred dollars, and I'll give you a podcast. It's like an hour to two hours, and they're like, yeah, sure, why not? And you know, we were gonna do it anyway. So it just kind of worked. And I found like what I loved doing that was it was very low key, very low pressure. And I just got into the habit of like, who do I want in my podcast? And just started firing off emails to people. And most people were like, how did you get that guy? I'm like, just sent him an email, man. That's, that's all you do sometimes. That's, that's literally it. I mean, I, yeah. I just uh, I just had um, Stephen Cognetti, who made the Hell House movies on. Oh, fun. Exactly by doing that, I I, yeah. I I befriended another podcast and they had him on an episode, and I said, "Geez, how'd you land someone like that?" He goes, "To tell you the truth, I just DM'd him," <laughs> and I was like, "All right, I mean, and, and I'll do that with people that I know." Like, I feel like if I have an association with them, like whether it was like through a prior conversation or if they've like retweeted something. Or, you know, like mm-hmm. sent a message back. It's like, all right, at least that's somebody that's seen my name before. But I feel yeah. weirder, like cold DMing people. Oh, <laughs> Especially, yeah. So, so that, that, that's that been an awkward thing to live. But, but you know, Bob, Bob has told me that he admires it in me because he, his networking has kind of happened by, I won't call it by accident, because he's, he's been a go-getter since, you know, the since the escapist thing happened right you know but before then it was you know he just did that stuff because he liked it you know Mm -hmm. like that though that was content he wanted to put out there and other people enjoyed it and so so you said was the podcast the thing you were doing before the escapist happened or was the um or was the 
uh, show that you ended up doing for the escapist an existing beast before you before you hooked up with them? Um, so the order of like the great history of my time on the internet was um, during college. Um, I had worked. I had had a little side gig writing for a little toy and uh, like toy and video game blog. Where like within the first couple of months, I became the editor in chief slash only person writing for it. So I'm like, okay, well, this is the thing I'm doing now, and I'm like, yeah. ah, I'm just gonna do a podcast. So I did a couple episodes for this little podcast um, just to kind of see how it works. I had a a very low quality mic from Fred Meyer. It was like a seven dollar microphone, I think, and it was so tinny that it would make your ears bleed. But it was it was my first attempt, me and my buddies. And uh, then I saw a Craigslist posting like maybe a year after that saying, hey, we're host. We want to get a bunch of uh, podcast hosts because we want to make a podcast network. And it was clear this was like right after Earwolf had kind of become a thing. And their mentality was, yeah, we're going to build our own network and we're going to have different genres of podcasts. We need a geek slash video game podcast. And I contacted my best friend and said, hey. You ready to do this? Like, this could be a real thing. And of course, as soon as we see, like, we could be podcasters for a living. It's like, well, real world's just peeking around the bushes like, oh, oh, oh. I'm going to get him from this one. Oh, yeah. You know, but bright eyed us. We're like, yeah, we'll do this. We'll do this. We'll meet with this guy who was, um, I don't know how familiar you are with uh, Eugene, Oregon. But if you're at least familiar with Portlandia, are you familiar with that show? So Eugene is Portland times 10 um so every weird stereotype in portlandia exists in eugene unironically oh and this guy yeah and this guy you know this is where oregon ducks come from you know university of oregon where i was going at the time and this guy was like maximum eugene of like he had a plan he had all these things like you guys he's like i'm really excited you guys are going to be our geek podcast we've already got a feminist podcast we have a healing crystals podcast and it's like, we're hearing all these other podcasts. I'm like, well, these ones actually sound like they're really important ones. Like, here's the feminist podcast. Here's the ones about, you know, like um, LGBTQ rights. And here's another one about like local politics. And here's you geek guys. What are you going to talk about? We're like, oh, no. And within a year, we were, of course, the only podcast left on the network. Everyone else had done like an episode and bailed. But we're the only ones like, we do geek stuff. So we're just going to do geek stuff. <laughs> and, like every couple <laughs> of weeks, we'd give them another. He's like, okay. We've got a new podcast for you. It's it's like two and a half hours. I think our, our longest one, the first longest one, was when we actually had Bob on our podcast. Because I oh, awesome. firing off emails. Yeah. So this was be this was I think he had just started the Escapist. Um, and I'm like, this guy, I'm following this guy. I loved his YouTube, and now I love this, and I'm gonna be all more here. So I remember I was at the beach um, with my family. And my or with my wife's family, and I, I get an email back from Bob saying, "Yeah, I'll be on your podcast." And I'm like, "Hun, look at this." She's like, "Who is who is who's movie Bob?" I'm like, "You don't get it. This is my big break. I'm going to the top, baby." <laughs> so it was Def- definitely a, definitely a good get. I yeah. um, I I get amazed sometimes when when like you know when when he calls me or sends me a message and tells me that something I've done he likes because he's got. I don't think he's ever listened to outside of when he was editing them. I doubt he's ever listened to an episode of a damn show I've ever done, even when he's on there. Cause it's just no time. Right. Oh, but cool. sometimes, but sometimes he'll come back and he'll go, you're really good at this. And I'll be like, 
am I fanboying over my brother right now? Did like, did like my, <laughs> it's like, he Bob told me I did something good. Oh, nice. <laughs> Cause this is his world, man. I'm yeah. just, I'm just dipping my toes in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, that's yeah. so cool though. So that, so what, um, what did you guys talk about when you had him on? I, I feel like, like I completely missed out on this and I don't know why. Oh, I can't remember what we talked about. Like, cause we, we did, I mean, it was probably over, you know, it was two and a half to three hours. We talked about whatever was current at the time. I know that we talked briefly on the amazing Spider-Man movies. Cause I oh. always thought it was weird that like, I'm a weird movie goer where I'll get, deeply passionate about certain things but for the most part i turn my brain off completely and i'm not saying that that's the correct way to watch a movie i just can do that and so you know i saw the amazing spider-man movies and i was like yeah all right yeah, okay they're cool you know andrew garfield and uh, emma stone they got uh, they're cute together and everyone else is like no 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 this is these are terrible i'm like uh, i give them a b i'll, I'll See, watch them again i was able to do that with the first one because i'm i'm much more that guy I don't think I've ever had an, um, I think there's like, I could count on one hand the amount of film going experiences I've had that I disliked the experience. Mm-hmm. Do you know? And I think that that yep. puts me in a weird place with other people, but I remember liking the amazing Spider-Man because I really liked, um, Peter Parker. I thought mm-hmm. that I thought that Garfield was good. And I didn't like most of the, like, we can't really do the same backstory again, so we'll do this stuff. That was kind of like, yeah, whatever. But yeah. the second one bugged me only because the first one actually had potential. Um, that That's what I, I didn't really like about the second one. But I didn't hate okay. watching it. Yeah, the second one definitely fell into the trap that every big studio was falling into, where like, okay, they saw the dollar signs everywhere, and like, why are we doing one movie when we can be doing all of the movies in a universe? It's like, no guys, stop it. Let a movie be a movie. You're ironically, even though you have Spider-Man, you're not Marvel. You need to take a step back. And Marvel hadn't even completely proven themselves with that yet. They, everyone had seen like, I think by then the Avengers come out. So everyone knew it could be done, but yeah. Can it be replicate? Can they still do it? Is that, was this a flash? And still the Avengers had what? The Avengers had seven movies, something like that. It was Iron Man one and two, Incredible Hulk, technically the first Captain Avenger. America, yeah, first Avenger. And Thor. Thor. Yeah. Was there so, another I mean, one? No, that so five. There was five movies. Yeah. I mean, that's still not one movie, and then the Amazing Spider-Man two, which was like, and now we're gonna yeah. do seven. We're gonna introduce yep. all the villains. <laughs> yep. Because that's never heard a Spider-Man movie before. Oh, of <clears throat> Spider-Man <not>. three. <laughs> and I love Spider-Man three in theaters. So do I. So so, <laughs> so I, I I you know it. See, going I I think my 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 brother actually is one of the defenders of Spider-Man three. Actually, um, even though it's um <laughs> it's not as good. The the thing with Spider-Man three is I knew it was going to be a garbage fire going into it. Um, just hearing what Sam Raimi said about the experience is like, well, Spider-Man two made a bunch of money and they basically said, you're on contract to make another one. So Ted and I went and wrote it in a bathroom. The night Spider-Man two came out in theaters and it's like, all right. And they goes, and they made us put venom in it. So yeah, 
Yep. <laughs> it's like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> There's been, like, I think one movie that I went and saw in theaters that I was super excited to see and left furious. And that was Man of Steel. That's, like, the only one I've ever left a theater actually feeling truly insulted on, like, a core level. That's from, interesting. Because like, um, I'm in, like, I saw the trailers and I'm like, that trailer looks awesome i can't wait to go see a movie that makes me feel really excited for heroes doing stuff and i go in and i see man of steel and i leave it like in like fury tears just like it's i wanted to believe in something and i don't believe in anything anymore it's it's such a bummer because you know bob that was the first i think the first screening bob ever got me into um, one of like the Boston, you know, it was either that or Iron Man too, but he's like, I got you into man of steel. He says, and, and, and him and I actually both really like Zack Snyder. So it's like, you know, it's one of those things where he's like, you know, this is, this is a lot of potential to really be bad. It is David Goyer writing the damn script, but the trailers have been really good. And the posters have been really good. And I remember when he flies for the first time That's a cool as moment. Superman, him and I turned to each other and went, holy shit, they did it. Like, this scene really worked. And maybe if the second half of this movie really takes off now, like, this is going to be a great Superman movie. And then the second half of the movie happens. Yeah. And I and I was just in awe of every bad decision. Like, and it, my theory on this, and this is why if I had seen Batman versus Superman in the theater, I'd probably call that the one time, but Batman versus Superman. I, I don't even call that a bad movie because there's, there's pieces of it. There's gears in that film. Like for one, it looks really cool. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it has a, even though it's kind of like the dark, like washed out thing that it, like the scenes are shot well. And when there's not a lot of digital effects on screen, it, it looks pretty good. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and there's some cool ideas it plays with, but the movie is so cut to pieces to get into a runtime that can get, make them their money back that they lost anything coherent. It's just, it's just inexplicable story beats that don't make any goddamn sense and it's boring and man of steel i had i I got through it and and, you know bob bob and i were like you know in the middle of that when he flew that could have been an a minus movie and just as seen that brings it down into like a c level to d level movie but i said this is something i've always told everybody if the next movie gave me clark kent because Mm -hmm. when he walks in at the end of the movie to the daily planet, he looks like a completely different guy. He's got, you know, like this. And it's like, if, if Superman needed to see that earth is terrible (laughs) and, and learn how to be an awful human being and just, and just fucking flat out kill somebody. Mm -hmm. And then the next movie, which are all things that are just deplorable and Superman should have never done. But, if the next movie is then that's how I learned how to be the human I wanted to be, which was Clark Kent. Mm-hmm. Cool. Some yeah. of, some of your bullshit forgiven. If that's the movie you gave me, <laughs> but instead they give you Batman versus Superman, which goes, yeah. And Superman's still kind of a piece of shit moving yeah. on. <laughs> and I'm like, it was, no. uh, it was like a continued disappointment. And I, I remember seeing man of steel and I, as soon as I walk out, I immediately started script doctoring the thing. And I was like, so much waste potential. So here's a sequence of scenes that I wrote in 
immediately nice. after seeing it. Um, so I wanted a sequence when Clark was um, a, a kid, like, you know, maybe nine or ten in Smallville. And he has joined um, Pee Wee football. And his dad is excited, you know, you know, Pa Kent's like, okay, but you got to be careful, son, because you're going to hurt him. So he's like, what, what do I need to do? He's like, you need to take the hit, basically. And so it's just a montage of, of bigger kids tackling Clark over and over and oh, over. Oh, it would be over. perfect. And he just keeps getting up and getting up, but he lets him tackle him. So then later on, when he's going up against Zod and they're fighting and Zod is pummeling him, knocking him down, knocking him down, knocking him down. And he yells at him like... You know, I am a general. What are you? And he says, "Well, you never played pee wee football." Then he decks him. Like there's a there, like there's the Superman you want to see. Superman rope a dope. Like, I love it exactly. Like oh, then you would have gone. Oh yeah, you are from small town. Like you're you get us. You're one of us. You've been through it. Like so many people oh. can like pull up all those great scenes from like Superman All Star. Uh, I'm like in I'm I'm in chills now, dude. That's like. <laughs> It's super. It's like I said with what it's. It's Superman showing something wholeheartedly human that he learned. Yeah, exactly. And that's what makes him great. Is you know when they when they say even though it's an outdated thing when they say truth justice in the American way they mean that they mean that he didn't come to Earth and just protect Earthlings. He came to Earth and became an American kid. Yeah. And that's what he knows. He he was taught, even though he's from another planet, how to be a small town American kid. And it, exactly. it's it's very interesting that they always forget that about Superman. Yeah. It, you know, they, they got it very right. I mean, okay, so maybe it would be too much like just doing Captain America again, but Superman is how Chris Evans played Captain America. That's that's yeah. your holy um, infallible human being, right? That's that's who you get. <laughs> and and weirdly, so after seeing Man of Steel, I was so bitter about seeing some wholesome thing turn into something that was just like now it's just something the world has. It's just, the world has taken it and has has morphed it and poisoned it. And then I saw um, Avengers Two: Age of Ultron, which a lot of people are pretty like lukewarm on. But I went into it, and the scene where they're on the floating continent, like the climax. And, you know, things are bad. There's Ultrons everywhere. And this, like, this whole continent, like, city side, whatever, is flying. And they're like, what are we going to do? And Captain America starts barking orders. Like, okay, Hawkeye, you're going to do this. You know, Nick Fury, you're going to go do that. And Scarlet Witch, you're going to do that. And he's just telling everyone what they're going to do. I suddenly started bawling. My wife is like, what? And I'm like, they're going to save everyone. She's like, what? Like, they're going to save everyone. And I was just so happy that, yeah, it's like everyone expects us in Marvel. It's like, oh, yeah, golly gee, we're going to do it. But, like, at the time, I was like, no, you don't get it. I really wanted to see heroes just go, I don't care the odds. Don't tell me the odds. We're going to do this impossible thing because, damn it, we're heroes, and that's what heroes do. Right. And I was just just crying just so much, like, this is what I want. Sometimes you just need that jolt of of mm-hmm. pure of pure goodness, and yeah. people people forget that pure goodness doesn't have to be cheesy. I mean, it it usually is, but it doesn't have to just be cheesy. It can you can need it. Do you exactly. know what I mean? And oh, yeah. um, everything doesn't have to be freaking grim dark. There's mm-hmm. there's a place for grim dark for sure. Yeah, um, certain. But 
but everything Superman didn't have to be grim dark, and that's it's it's a cool way to take it. I mean, I'd rather have my grim dark Superman be um, Brightburn. You know, I actually quite enjoy Brightburn. It's 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 very it's very bleak. There's not a lot to it. Their premise is kind of one note. But if you're gonna do like an off brand Superman, what if kind of thing? Give me that grimdark Superman movie and leave my regular Superman alone, please. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> I just want to see Superman on screen. And hell, I'd love them to have Henry Cavill play the Superman mm-hmm. that I want to see because he looks like Superman. You he know, was, I, it's a good choice. He was a really yeah. good choice. It's it's not um it's not his fault that those movies had to had to follow up Chris Nolan's um two Dark Knight films that he made. Yeah, <laughs> and then the other one he did, and and I don't mind that other one either. But that other one has the Spider-Man three problem. It really does. It has oh, it has that. the problem of a director that just doesn't want to be there. No, <laughs> it's although like oh man, I feel so. I always felt really bad where I went and saw both Batman Begins and Dark Knight, uh, the Dark Knight, and acknowledge like wow, these are amazing movies. And everyone is weird when I tell them like I would rather watch Batman and Robin again. And they're like why? Don't you agree? I'm like, I I agree. Heath Ledger as Joker is is almost unbeatable, and The Dark Knight is fantastic, and Batman Begins was a wonderful movie. But they're exhausting and they're thrillers. But I can watch Batman and Robin and know exactly what I'm getting every time, and it's pretty dumb. But sometimes it, I just want that. It may be a controversial thing to say, and 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 since I'm just meeting you, I might this might be a controversial thing for me to say with you. But as much as I love. And I mean love The Last Jedi. And I know that that's a controversial thing to say in and of itself. I have now seen the newest Star Wars movie as many times as I saw The Last Jedi in theaters. And I have to say that I would love to watch the new one again before putting on The Last Jedi. And the reason for that is what you just said. I know with Rise of Skywalker, I can turn it on, turn my brain off, mm-hmm. and get and get an absolutely <laughs> balls out awesome Star Wars movie. Oh man! That what one. I'm not what I'm not going to get <laughs> is a movie that's coherent, <laughs> challenges me at all, or has anything really to say outside oh, no. of you. Do you know what I mean? But. I will say that if I had the three of them on my shelf, it's probably that one or the force awakens or the one I would put on. If I just wanted to go, you know what? I want to be unchallenged by star Wars right now. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I, and what I mean is you can have both. I, I think, I think they both need to exist. I really would have rather this been the middle movie. So mm-hmm. I could have had my big, important, meaningful film at the very end, but we didn't get that with the original trilogy either. So, yeah. Um, I did say this to someone the other day, would it make it, I'm, I'm imagining from your little joking laugh that you, you were just as much not fond of things in that new movie as a lot of people were, including me. (laughs) Um, yeah, definitely. And, 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 and I, and let me tell you, I, there, there's a lot I don't like about it, but I really enjoyed it still. It's a weird feeling to have. (laughs) Um, but I, I said to somebody who was just getting really negative about, oh, it'll never be good again, and fuck Disney, and Kathleen Kennedy, and blah, 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 blah. And I go, okay, okay, fine, feel that way. I said, but tell me this. If you were able to come in with a knife 
and pluck the last shot of The Last Jedi out of that movie. So the very, very uplifting, like, basically best way you're ever going to end a Star Wars movie ever, and you should never even have tried to make another movie after because it's too perfect, and stuck that at the end of Rise of Skywalker. Would it make a more cohesive three movies? And they said, yeah, you know what? Kind of, yeah. And I'm like, so, because you're not left wanting that movie next. Mm. And I was like, huh. And again, there's some other things you got to cut out of it, too, but that's a big lift that... You know, Ryan Johnson gets to make a Star Wars movie and makes this subverting, amazing, crazy thing and ends it with that. And then you go, so how was somebody supposed to follow that up? Yeah. And I mean, (laughs) on one hand, like, I think that what Ryan Johnson did was important. Where He basically he's like, "Okay, let's see you top that, guys. And you want to think in the hopeful world we we see with the bright eyed love of cinema that the next director, whoever it will be, will go. Ah, I accept your challenge, sir, and I will show you what I can do with that. But instead, it was like, uh, what if we just gave everyone literally just what they've been asking? Yeah, that was a um, that was a top to bottom course correction on. Yeah. on and and I won't Ugh. blame any one person. That's that is meddling. One oh one is what. And again, did it make an altogether terrible film? I don't think so. Could we have gotten a way better film? I also think so. Um, there's oh, there's so many moments in Rise of Skywalker that I just like burst out laughing. Yeah. Oh wasn't, yeah. Like the moment when um, they're on, I don't know. They've infiltrated the one of the enemy bases, and suddenly, who's the spy? And, ah, zap! Yeah, here's the spy. And I love that there's not even like a full beat before he yells out, "I'm the spy!" And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank goodness, movie. I was worried I would have to use my brain to think yes. that scene through just for a split second. Guess what incredibly like layered and awesome character I created in my first movie that I just can't do anything with anymore. Here you go, guys. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, it was. It, it, and it's a bummer because, um, you know, I it, it the movie makes me smile enough. I mean, there there's amazing amounts of really cool practical stuff on it. It it has all of the parts that make a good star Wars movie. The the problem is, is that I, it, it, you know, you and I, obviously it seems we both take that we enjoy the movie first and then let everything else fall out after. I feel that, you know, JJ Abrams gets a lot of crap from people. And I feel that that guy genuinely wants to make good stuff. I oh, just yeah. feel I just feel like he doesn't have as much a voice of his own as he has a really good emulation of things he likes. And that's not a bad thing, but it's no. the type of thing that isn't good at finishing stuff. Yeah. And like, so he, he never should have been Yeah. He never should have been the guy that is a thankless impossible task to finish this trilogy anyway. And it should have just been somebody completely fresh. So we could have had three very fresh, very different takes that you could either accept on their own or or say, you know what, I'm done with that one. Instead, mm-hmm. he has to come and of course you want to finish the story beats that you started and don't really want to go in a direction that someone else took your story beat if you come back, right? You it's hard to let that go. Mm-hmm. 
And if I mean JJ Abrams makes amazing beginnings. He's just the master of beginnings. Everything I've seen of his, like the beginning makes me go, Yeah, what are you gonna do? And then he's like, I don't know. Let's dude. let someone else do it. And it's like, no, dude, you you've gotta have an answer. You can't just say, like, wouldn't this be interesting? It would be. Where are you gonna go with it? I don't know. You tell me. Like, oh no. And that's I think that's why what that's ahead, what sorry. shoots him in the foot so often with everything I've seen, like with Lost and with the Star Wars, like the new Star Wars trilogy. Um, if your mentality in making the film or what what have you, the property, is here's an interesting idea. Would Let's see what we could say with it, but we don't have the answer yet. If you have that space, the fans will create that for you. And then when you have to do it, that's not what the fans did. Then they're going to be pissed because if you've left that door open, they've already walked through it themselves. Yeah. And so then when you like you you lasso them back and drag them back to the door and say, no, 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 this is the door we're walking through. All the fans go, that was that was what you meant. Is like, well, who knows? That's how I answered it anyway. It's like, no, dude, no. Who like, knows? At least, yeah. Who knows? And for all we know, he had the plan from the beginning. Like, this is how he wanted to end episode nine. He wanted to have this really goobery shot with, who who you? Like, what's your name? Well, that's really presumptuous, but uh, Ray. Like, oh, yeah, you know, most people in this world don't have two names, but Ray what? you got to have a last name because that's apparently normalized here on Tatooine. It's like, yeah, Ray Skywalker. Yeah, that... That should have been on the cutting room floor the same way as oh, yeah. um, I can't believe the, um, the the 21 Jump Street Lego movie guys, Phil Lord and Chris Miller, when they were doing the Han Solo movie, that solo bit at the beginning of the movie was one of the things of theirs that still stuck with the script. And mm-hmm. from what I read, they were they were Lego moving it. It was going to be a very tongue in cheek. Yeah, oh, yeah, a solo movie is a stupid idea. So we're going to be very self-aware and and Lucasfilm wasn't having it, which I can see why they might not be, but I still would have loved to have seen that movie. But but this in your serious movie, that you have that scene, you don't need to. You, you can just have, she buries the lightsabers and looks off into the distance and sees Luke and Leia. That tells you all the same stuff. <laughs> you don't You don't need random person six <laughs> just asking it's yep. so silly it's so what's silly. your last name i expect her to say like ray ray what just ray like that would have been pretty cool like no i'm owning or if she's like what's your name ray ray what ray palpatine i'm taking it back this is who i am what would have been well, even I... better if just babu frick just photobombed went babu frick roll credits ray ray what ray frick babu frick ray frick this is my boyfriend <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> and it's Babu Frick wearing a um wearing a uh Ben Solo mask. Oh Jesus. Oh, I have to retell my so I had come up with an alternate ending for episode three, way back in the original days of, of grousing about Star Wars trilogy. Ah uh, yes. When so we were also was... when we were also bored by it, we gave that movie a pass. I remember. I... I remember coming out of seeing episode three and going, well, that was a total wasted effort in that final, final moment. I really wanted a scene where, cause like in the movie, it's like, Oh, Padme is giving birth. It's like, ah, it's a boy. That's Luke. That's a girl. That's Leia. I'm out. I'm dead. It's like, Oh no. I really wanted there to be a scene where, where, you know, Obi-Wan is there and he's like, you know, Padme, 
it's a boy. I think you should name him Ben. And she goes, no, Ben is a stupid name. Let's name him Luke. And he goes, well, I think Ben is a great name. And then we can move on to episode four proper. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, Star uh, Wars. So, so yet again, uh, be, because I can't help but do this, a large portion of a podcast is still bitching about Star Wars. At least, at, at least, at least the content is homogenous. My name is Gibetto Funkin, one shoe stumble, knackle timber shivers at your service. I'm looking for some friends of mine. The many pennies. The many pennies. Them. I know we've been really busy, but I think that all we need to do is just tackle the next thing on this 24-item to-do list, and we'll be fine. Someone bring me some food. Also, my flask is empty. I need a refill. Nobody panic. I may have lost several scorpions. I said nobody panic. Check out this new skin patch on my cloak, guys. Guys? You know, I might be looking for someone else. I don't blame you. Adventure Incorporated, a Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition actual play adventure podcast. New episodes every Monday. Find us at adventureinkpod.com. Um, no, that was awesome though. So we were, we were, if my brain serves me correctly, we got to hear by talking about you and my brother and how you ended up on the escapist. Yes. So we, we go back to the podcast before I was on the escapist, um, had ended up interacting with Bob a little bit used through this podcast. I, I, uh, ended up like contacting most of the people who either were on the escapist or would be on the escapist somehow just by happenstance. Um, like Lisa Foyles and, yeah. uh, and Jim Sterling. And so these people, so I started getting contacts. And the big one, though, the first big one was the Extra Credits crew, specifically oh. James Portnow, yeah. which is a whole story of its own. But it was a, which is weird. Like everything that's happened with Extra Credits, it's a shame uh, because I'm still friends with um, with Daniel Floyd, um, who's mm-hmm. one of the, him, him and Carrie are two of the nicest people in the world. Love them. Uh, James and I don't, talk anymore but that's kind of how it's gone with james and a lot of people yes Um, it has from what i've heard yeah it's it's been it's been unfortunate but like the weird thing was i had sent him an email um saying hey would you like to be part of our podcast we want to we'd love to have extra credits this is right right as they got on the escapist i think just i think if i'd sent my email a week later they would have been too big to have ever read that email so i ended up getting in just there and he's you know james writes back to me and he's very james important way, and he's like yeah we look to your podcast uh do you want to come to pax for free i'm like okay and he's like do you think you can get a film crew up here i'm like you know, um, why not? And I just kind of, you know, fake it till you make it type thing, as they say. And so I got my best buddy. I'm like, Kyle, we're going to PAX for free. He's like, really? All right, we're going to stay in, we're going to stay in an apartment of some stranger. I'm like, okay, that's great. Got another one of my friends who, you know, was a good film, film editor. I'm like, you want to come too? He's like, sure. Let's let's go on this wacky adventure. We drove up to Seattle and met met James Portnoy for the first time. We ended up sleeping in his room uh, in his like one bedroom apartment in like Belltown, which was a nightmare it was like a thousand degrees in his apartment because the guy's like rail thin and it's like we he basically subsists off of like smugness and orange juice is like somehow the only way to survive and like we had to crack open the window because it was so sweltering in this one bedroom and he wasn't there the whole weekend that we were staying through packs he was out gallivanting 
Um, and I opened the bedroom, like the one window is to an alleyway. And like the whole weekend I would hear people like almost getting mugged or assaulted. And I'm like, I'm not used to Seattle guys. And I'd like be like half looking out the window, like guys, we're listening to this. Like we need to be ready to jump out there and save this woman's life. And they're like, I, I don't think that's how it works, dude. I'm like, I don't know how it works. It was very stressful, but it was I, still a, I can imagine Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was still, you know, not random, like almost assaults, notwithstanding. Um, it was a fun time. This is the first time we'd ever gotten the packs and we were there technically as part of the escapist as just like kind of a random, like contracted crew. And, and they had invited us say, yeah, we want you to get some, some footage from these game developers. And also we want you to film the, uh, the, the actual, uh, evening show, like the, the, the live performance with yep. the bands and all that. And, they're like, yeah, we want you to interview the first band and some band named Anamanaguchi. And I'm like, I the name didn't register with me. And I'm like, oh, okay, that sounds fine. And I'm backstage, like, we're interviewing them. And they're kind of, you know, hanging out. And I'm just, I, I go through, like, this half an hour interview with them, not knowing really who they are. Because I was just, I, I didn't do my prep work as I should have. But, you know, we still had a great interview. We joy they, they like talking to us and i hear him kind of like plucking on the on the bass somebody starts playing the scott pilgrim the video game soundtrack i'm like oh man yep. like you guys like the scott pilgrim video game soundtrack like that soundtrack's awesome I'm like yeah we we did the soundtrack to scott pilgrim i'm like oh my god and suddenly like my brain like pieced all the pieces together like you're automatically i know exactly who you are now and i love your music this is amazing and so then like the second half of the interview was just me like fanboying out Let's and, let's do the interview again now that I'm not just here for the money. Yeah, now that I, <laughs> and it was a great time. Uh, all, this whole week, the whole weekend was great. And, you know, a couple weeks, a couple months passed after that. It seemed, you know, like a good time. Um, I contacted James again and said, hey, you guys want to be on our podcast again? And he said, sure. Hey, would you guys like to come up and film a different thing for the Escapists in Seattle? I'm like, you know, all right, let's 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 ride this crazy train. And so I went up with a different friend. This would be Daniel Floyd, who would end up being on the show with us. Um, so it was me, Dan, and Kyle went up, helped film another weird thing for the Escapist. At that point, we we interacted with Russ Pitts, who was the editor in chief at the yep. time, and he's like, "Hey, pitch me, um, pitch me a segment. See what you guys can give me." And we're like, "Okay, we'll give you a pitch, like in a day or so." Like, "Yeah, sure. Give me give me a pitch in a day or so." so and so we, we decided, okay, guys, we, we spent like the whole like four hour trip back home to Portland um, coming up with this amazing pitch. Like we had this show that was going to be really elaborate. It was going to be no right answer, which we decided on the name eventually. It's like, oh, because there's never going to be a right answer. We're going to pick two options that are ludicrous. What is the best Western movie ever between Five Goes West and Back to the Future, the Future Part 3? Obviously... <laughs> wrong choices but we're going to debate them in earnest you know like what like or we're going to have a debate that's so outlandish like what is the uh what is the worst uh was like worst uh weakness ever between wood or the color yellow and it's like that is really specific so that was like our style of debates it's like yeah. how's you know we're going to do this and we're going to go back and forth we're going to get points and then there's going to be a drinking round at the end but i didn't drink so it was like we're, we somehow got we were like, we're going to get Jones Soda to sponsor this, and we're going to drink a Jones Soda, and the final point for the debate is going to be one person's drinking, the other person's giving their thoughts, and then they switch, and then, like, the judge's decision. And if you have a spit take during the drinking round, then you instantly lose, and that was kind of like the shtick. 
And they were like, okay, so we planned this whole thing out. We had a bunch of episode ideas. And we're like, oh, but we can't just pitch one segment. You always got to pitch at least two things so that so that they can say no to one and, and really love the other. So then we're like, eh, what if we did one called drinking games? And it's just like, you know, we come up with rules for video games that you drink to. That seems like, eh, whatever. They'll say no to that. They said both to yes to both. So we're like, oh, crap. We, we have to produce two shows now. And we realized... <laughs> immediately with drinking games how bad of an idea this was we only ended up doing 26 episodes like the first like we had the contract for 26 episodes with the chance of renewing if we chose to we chose not to because first flaw i don't drink so that was a problem second flaw we have to film three episodes in a row for efficiencies so my buddy kyle had to drink three episodes in a row and in those old episodes, you could tell which episode in the cycle we were in because he would progressively get more belligerent in the episodes as he's the only one who's drinking real beer. Even though we didn't even think like, oh, we don't even have to drink real beer. We are like, no, he's going to be drinking real beer because we're Yeah, they'll be able to tell. They'll be able, they'll be exactly. able to tell. We're professionals the, here. And the biggest problem, though, because we are, of course, all working day jobs, we all have kids, we're like, okay – what kind of prep work are we going to do for this? So I'm like, well, I'm going to come up with games we can get footage for and come up with rules for relatively easy. So a fighting game or a Mario Kart game or Smash Brothers or, you know, a platformer that we can quickly get to the good stuff or a beat-em-up like Ninja Turtles 4, Turtles in Time, or Super Nintendo. Yeah. And I'll come up with all these rules, not having, again, me not being a drinker, so I don't really know how to make a good drinking game. But we come up with these rules like, okay, let's get these. We're going to say these are the rules and how it works. And then we're trying to like learn how it goes as we're capturing footage. And some of these rules are like, wow, these rules do not work at all. Like this will never happen. But, and, and the problem was like, well, we don't have time to undo this. Like this game doesn't work, but we already filmed most of the episode. Let's finish this out and just spit it out there. And it was just like, somehow we had people that liked that. They were sad to see it go, even though we kind of admitted, like, after 26 episodes, we exhausted all the games we could do without much pre-work, because otherwise, like, we didn't even touch RPGs. It was like, I can't do, like, I can't get, like, multiple save files, like, ready for certain footage beats in, like, Final Fantasy VII or something after 60 or 80 hours. Like, can't do that. Uh, just some games, like, I'm, I'm not good enough to play a game at that level, so it's like, we, we did what we could, we moved on, and then we focused entirely on uh, No Right Answer. And then at, after the first year or so, um, Russ Pitts was out, Steve Butts was in, it was from Pitts to Butts, and he's the one that created <laughs> our, our podcast. So we're like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll re... Because we had finished our previous podcast for the weird wackadoo in Eugene, and we're like, okay, that one was fun, Let's do another, like, let's just kind of pick up where we left off and, you know, we'll have a new name for it and here we go. And uh, we did that for about a year until it just kind of like, okay, they finally said, like, we're canceling Because then by the time uh, Steve Butts was out, Susan had come in and she's like, this doesn't make any sense. We're cutting this. And I'm like, I mean, fair. <laughs> I mean, it's we're just like, we're, I won't even say we're half ass in this. Like, we're... we're an ass is involved in this for sure. <laughs> so thank you for giving us a year. And I even asked, like, can we have one more episode free of charge? We won't charge you for it. You don't have to, you don't, you don't bill for this at all. We're just going to give you a final episode, like to say thank you and goodbye. And she's like, yeah, sure. So that was super kind of her to just like, let us just say goodbye kind of thing, like on our terms for the podcast. 
And from there, it was like, okay, we're going to focus entirely on just no right answer. We're going to do that. And, and boy, we rode that train out to the end. And every time there was big cuts, we were, we were sitting there like we would see in the comments. It was always surreal where there would be another wave of people getting cut. And we're sitting there as like the littlest show on the channel. And people would be in our comments or, or simple comments like, why is Nora and Answer still here? Why are you cutting this great show and Nora and Answer still here? And we'd, come oh. and we'd be like, oh, to be honest, that show that they got cut, I know that their production budget is really high and they're excellent as a result. But our show, they pay us almost nothing. So it doesn't make any sense for them to turn the lights off on us because it doesn't cost them anything to keep the lights on for us, basically. And I would actually right. have people that like, the, you know, amazingly, when you come, sometimes you come into people with a rational argument on the internet, and actually they respond with rational, like, oh, yeah, actually, it makes sense, okay. And really, we would get fans, like, one at a time, like, slowly clawing away at a fan base. One fan at a time who's like, I hate this show. We're like, actually, like, we, we filmed 10 episodes improv in a row. Like, that's improv? I thought you guys scripted it. Oh, no, we don't have time to script that. Like, oh, actually, in that case, it's really good. Yeah, I in that case, now. you're brilliant. Like, thank you, please continue. And it was that, like, after four years, like, we got as far as we could. Like, the hardest part for us was after the first year, I ended up getting a job at Nintendo of America as a localization writer-editor, like, in the treehouse, which was wow. my dream job. And that's why I ended up moving from Portland to Washington for a brief time. Um, but then one of the stipulations from that was, okay... Your new job states you cannot talk about video games in a public capacity anymore. And I'm like, oh, no, I am. On, I have this show where we talk about pop culture and I'm the guy of our three people who knows video games. If I can't talk about video games on the video game feature, like focus website, this is really going to harm our potential to grow. Right. Like, yeah. And it did for sure. And it was. You know, eventually the show was like, okay, we've done, we did 200 episodes, we did a lot of fun stuff, and we, we said, you know, we're ending on our terms after 200 episodes. Like, that's a good run. That's that's a good even number. That's that's where we ended there, um, and Dan and Kyle went on, and they kept doing a few other segments for The Escapist, but at that point I was kind of out. And it was, I mean, I was ready to be gone for a while, because they had, I mean, you've heard, no doubt, all the stuff that had been going on at The Escapist here and there, mm -hmm. and rough rough patches here and there and um yeah i think we were still there for a little longer after um, bob separated for the first time and mm -hmm. we're just sitting there going like i don't know what the hell is going on but ah <laughs> like they still have us like with a contract at least through some deadline so like they have us through at least to this point 200 episodes is where we can finally renegotiate and then we can like end it and that's kind of what happened there and that was, oh, what a ride it was. Yeah, dude. Any any ride that, like, culminates in, and then I got a dream job at Nintendo of America for a little bit is like, wow, that's, yeah. and, that's quite well, a run, man. Well, then the irony, the tragic irony, because my story is a Greek tragedy, truly. Um, I would lose that job three years after starting it because of a podcast I did. And what? it was... Yeah, and so, like, again, if, if you ever Google my name, and this is, like, the, the shortened story of it all. Um, at I, and by the way, I love, I love learning this stuff in real time. It makes it, makes it so much more interesting for me. <laughs> so I, I had been doing um, 
like Treehouse Live stuff for Nintendo, and I had been getting featured here and there. And um, Iwata had died um, a month before I ended up doing this podcast. And, and Iwata's passing was a huge blow to everybody because he was the best of all of us. He truly was like one of the nicest, most genuine people in this world. And the world is so much darker without him. And it was really sad. And so, like, everyone's kind of figuring out how to go on. And I made a very bad call. And my bad call was saying, hey, I want to be on a podcast again. I haven't done a podcast for a while. I just kind of sent the call out to people online, you know, followers on Twitter. I'm like, hey, I haven't been on a podcast in a while. I'd love to be on some podcast. And someone who had, like, a listenership of maybe, like, 50 to 100, like, yeah, we would love to have you on. And I thought, hey shouldn't be a problem because our social media policy had just changed and the social media policy was like, yeah, you can now talk about video games publicly and you can talk about certain things publicly. Um, and we're like, well, what's the new line? And they legally told us like, we don't actually know where the new line is. So it's like, Oh, well, ominous. So let's find out. And I found out what the new line was. And so I went on this little podcast that had, I thought like no range and, just kind of talk generally about my job. I was very careful. I'm like, okay, as long as I don't talk about like Smash Brothers character reveals or like secret games in development or like say something that in my mind was really dumb. Like, just, like my whole time, this whole hour, I just have this voice say, don't say anything about Mother 3. Don't say anything about Mother 3. Don't say anything about Mother 3. And I didn't. Um, but in an Good. hour, I, yeah, in an hour, I ended up saying stuff that I didn't know would ultimately be potentially against my NDA. And I didn't know. And a week oh. and a half after the podcast comes out, um, internal discussions happen constantly because suddenly it got picked up. Like the podcast that normally has no reach some, suddenly is the story. And all the big gaming websites picked it up. Like, oh, Treehouse employee talks this and Nintendo employee says this. And, and suddenly, like, instead of, you know, the first day it was, hey, here's a fun podcast that this Treehouse employee did. Isn't that fun? Because they never get to talk about stuff. Here's an hour of interesting stuff. And then because it's the internet, the news cycle spun itself up. And, oh. and every little like indie game site had to start talking about it. And they pulled this two-minute clip out and this three-minute clip out. And suddenly everything was coming out of context. And, and and at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what you said. It matters that their headlines say that you said something. It wouldn't have mattered. Kind of, it wouldn't, uh, it, you, know, you know what I mean? But that, that's, the, that's how that yep. stuff works, right? It just Yeah. It, and and the first day, like my boss had called me and he's like, What were you thinking? I'm like, I don't know. I have no I, I have no answer for you. And he's like, It's because of, you know, the social media changing and because of Wada dying. I'm like, Yeah, I am just not no, I don't know what, what we're doing anymore. And he's like, I understand he understood. He's like, obviously it was wrong. And he's like, You understand it's wrong? I'm like, Yes, I can see now that's wrong. He's like, Okay. And he kind of acted like it was gonna be a slap on the wrist. And that's how everyone has been acting for that like week and a half like it's gonna be slapping the wrist and then a week and a half later they are like okay we're gonna go forward with the uh, part ways and it was just like oh where did the bottom go where where yeah did the, where where's all where's that and so it was just like the moment where you know and my my son was about to turn one for the you know because he his birthday was like that very next week and i'm like oh my god i'm gonna have to go home and tell my wife that i've lost the job that we like have built our whole life around and I'm going to have to do this right before our son's first birthday. And what do I do? And it was just this crazy, devastating moment that took at least a year to recover from. I mean, I'm now, you know, we had to 
moved back to Oregon to be around family. And ultimately that's been really, really good. I mean, find be back next, you know, by close friends and family and kind of recenter, I guess, uh, in your, the home base and found a, a, a job that has pays me, you know, well to support my family and has people that are awesome to work with, but it's still like, man, it's always hard to look back on. You were there, man. You were right there. And it's, it's surreal. It's all very surreal. And then to look back like, you know, a couple of years back and like, Oh yeah. And you remember you were on the escapist like, Oh man. Yeah. What a, what a lifetime ago that was. Right. Yeah. Wow. That's, um, geez, man. I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm really I'm really glad to, that the majority of this conversation was really positive and uplifting cuz I I I I I couldn't have imagined going through that. That's it's, I feel really bad, man. That um it's weird but the like one of the bright spots that came out of it um other than like really close like reevaluation of family and the bigger thing was like uh, part of it was I had been dealing with depression my whole life, but most of it was untreated. And after that, it was like, you don't have the option of not getting this treated anymore. You've got yeah. to go to a doctor. This and is so going to ruin me. That's what yeah. I, yeah. And, and, you know, it's very validating where you go to, you know, see a therapist and they're like, okay, so yeah, that would shatter any normal person. And the fact that you're still here is a good sign for you. Like, yay, <laughs> validated. So, you know, since then it was, you know, I sought help for myself, um, got much closer to my family in general, like all family, both immediate family with my wife and kids and, and extended family and all that. It's been, you know, it's that hard, like having to remind yourself, like, what is really the good stuff? And I can still, you know, it still is like bittersweet, like, especially with Animal Crossing coming out soon, because Animal Crossing New Leaf was the first game I worked on. Wow. And I still see stuff like there, everyone's getting hyped for um, New Horizons. And um, like I see little memes from New Leaf or Happy Home Designer, the ones I worked on. I'm like, oh, my, my writing is still going viral like four years later. That's not fair. Hmm. But, but at the same time, like I could still go, yeah, I was there. I worked on that. I got to work on Star Fox Zero. I got to, you know, meet. My the voice actors for that, which were the a lot of them were the original voice actors, and that was just you know that's very proof. surreal. Yeah, and being like, I get to I get to try to voice direct Star Fox, like not just any, but Mrs. Fox McCloud, and it's really him. And you know, and he was super nice too. And like everyone was super nice. Like there wasn't a single like mean person that I worked with. Like they were all super nice. So it's 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 always good. Like anytime. I can at least say this much that anybody who loves Nintendo that generally behind the scenes, it's pretty much nothing but good, nice people, which is good to hear. I, I, yeah. It's, it's always a bummer when you, you know, when you love a job and you have to out of random happenstance, right? No ill intent have mm-hmm. to take the full brunt of their probably very well backed up with very good <laughs> lawyers and crazy NDA HR department. Yeah. Whew. Oh, yeah. I don't wish that on anybody. No, no, no. I thought we were cool guys. Oh, yeah, like, and it's, it was one of those where everyone still liked me. They were just like, this is like, you know, this is just what has to happen. And like, yeah, well, 
yeah, I did do this myself. Like, I at least, you oh. know, like, I admitted that straight away. I'm like, well, I did do this to myself. And then, of course, I made the mistake of saying, like, well, everyone, I have been fired. And then that became the bigger news story. And it was oh, like, oh, no. Yeah. The way the then, internet like, works. Yeah. Oh. It's like randomly then like, oh, now I actually know like Jason sure because now he's contacting me. And now like we have we we can DM back and forth on Twitter because we have a, a relationship because of this It's like, oh, no. Funny story. <laughs> with without without naming names because I don't need to get this shit storm brought back up again. But you you follow me and my brother, so you may have seen this. But were you aware that a couple of months ago, um, a random not random but a um leftist political commentator slash Twitch streamer, um, got into it pretty heavy with Bob and I and faked his being fired by his company to make us look bad like faked a second like oh the escapist has cut you again no they they didn't they, they this this person faked themselves being fired because oh yes i did see yeah that. oh it oh, just that that, that was that was weird it was really weird dude what's even weirder and again um you know the, the this person you know However, like in, in my opinion, handshake, you know, we, we went separate ways, been no real issue, at least with me and them since they're always going to hate my brother and they're always going to freaking pull the shit they do on him because the narrative against Bob is just what it is. And I can't do anything about that. But yeah. I got even after that weird, weird messages from both the fake account and this person, like, mm. like trying to bury the hatchet and like make things okay and it's like who do i know that could get them weirded out right that they feel like they have to reach out to me you know it's yeah. like i thought we were done like you know you go your own way you know <laughs> but it's just mm -hmm. weird the way the way that stuff like that works um, the internet is a very terrifying place that also has little like positive places here and there well th and like 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 this conversation like the yeah. fact that the fact that that association you know of you and bob and the escape is that like first grab for him on that podcast has you know you talking to me today about you know you went through all that but you're in a happy place that's mm -hmm. that's kind of surreal right every, every time i find someone it's like i'm making real connections and friends over this silly little shows that i run that you know as an adult, married, house and kids and a job, yeah, okay, I'm doing this to make a little bit of money too. I mean, that's yeah. what we're all trying to do, but it's forcing me to sit down and talk to people and make connections, and I like yeah. that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? And it's, you know, I, it's, it's cool to see. I just loved seeing, like, when I saw, um, it was uh, Kevin C.V. Um, oh, He's such a great dude. Yeah, he. Uh, we've been mutual follows on Twitter for a couple of years now, and I think it. I can't remember if he initially started following me because of No Right Answer, um, or something like that. Like back in the day, it's like we've been mutual follows for a while, and he had. He was like, "Hey, I've been on this podcast." I'm like, "Ah, well, then this guy must be good." I, I yeah, need to talk oh. to the chippa now. Kevin, Kevin is great. He actually was just on um, School of Movies. Oh, nice. Uh, they on school of everything else they did a chrono trigger episode and he 
he's one of the people that commissioned it and Alex invited him on because he's like, you know what? I this caused me to finally finish a game I never got a chance to finish and I better bring somebody that loves it on because I'm just so burnt out from finishing it that I and and Kevin it was Kevin and Alex Peregrine who are are both really good folks in my little strange microcosm of of the internet. Mm. Yeah, Kevin's a good dude. Kevin is a uh, I I thought I had a lot of friends that were huge Doctor Who fans. I think he takes <laughs> the cake. He is he is in the stratosphere and it's awesome. <laughs> Man, I have tried Doctor Who a couple times and I feel I feel bad that I I got through about halfway through the David Tennant run. Yep. And I saw the episode Blink. Yep. Um in which a lot of Doctor Who fans had told me like and I think this is to their mistake. They had told me Blink is the best episode, bar none. And I'm like, oh, so when I got to Blink, I actually then I'm like, this is you're right. This is the best episode. I don't think I want to watch anymore. And like my my forward drive immediately turned off. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah, and it's it's really weird because I'm like that doesn't usually happen for me because I get into the completionist attitude from stuff. Like I've completed some shows where I'm like, I didn't need to complete that show. I was I think, done with that show a long time ago, but that was one where I don't know why I'm like, I don't know why I feel like I've hit this like perfect. Maybe I feel like I, I hit an episode I thought was so good that I didn't need to be convinced anymore of its that like the whole show's value from then on. And I felt like I didn't even need to didn't even need to try to challenge myself to, to find something better, which is almost like lazy i guess well but. i i know fandoms though where the 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 amount of the weight the density of stuff is just so big yeah that, like like it'd be like you know you going like today hey like if, if i said today you know what i really want to do i want to get into spider-man comics oh, is boy. there's there's two ways you can say that no okay i'm just gonna start getting spider-man you know as i'm gonna start buying it and i'm gonna read forward or they're saying no i want it all there yeah and i could see getting to a point where you go you know what i don't need to be convinced anymore i think doctor who is great and you know what there's way too much of it for me to possibly ever consume so yeah. i'm just gonna stop here <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, my my friends, um, the guys over at Geeks with Shields, have come on and do episodes about Warhammer because I had a friend that worked for Gamers Workshop um, when I was younger, and I used to always go in and watch people play Warhammer, and it's like you know this is pretty cool, but I knew nothing about the lore, and for me to sit down and read up on you know a thousand different novels, you know, to get my backstory, but they were like, no, 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 no. Here's what you do. If you read these three and then uh, these other couple ones, that's all you need. And then Mm -hmm. if you still like it, you can dig in further. If not, here you go. And it's been very helpful because it's like, you're right. I I now know so much. Thanks guys. And (laughs) so I I don't think to, to be a fan of anything, that whole idea that you need to have it all and know it all to be there is is gross and gatekeepery and i don't like it yeah it's like i i encounter that like working at nintendo and working on something like i i worked on hyrule warriors and so the expectation oh sweet i have games that you worked on this makes me really happy like i was the primary writer on that so most of the text in in fact all of the hyrule warriors games and like i'm so it made brought me to tears to realize because i my name was cut in the credits for hyrule warriors legends on the 3ds 
but I found out that I was actually still credited in the Switch version. So I was just like beyond my like please, like, oh, I can't believe it. They I felt like a huge like weight was lifted, like, oh, I'm forgiven on some level. Um, especially since most of the text in those games is my text. Um that those games were an interesting um experience to see like there is no such thing as good enough in fandom for everybody because like i'm in this i you know i know my zelda games i, I and i have to and th at that point it was part of my job to know my zelda games but there are always blind spots and you do the best you can you come at it from like this fiery passion of like i love this franchise I love this game I'm working on now and I want to do right by the fans and I'm sure they're going to love this. And so I'll throw in some, some joke reference like, Oh, Impa in this mission is going to say Zelda, it's dangerous to go along. Take yeah. me. And I'm like, I'm going to throw that in there. And the fans are going to go, yeah, this guy gets it. But then of course I read some reactions like this was a stupid inclusion. Who do they think we are? I'm like, Oh no. You miss no, I've baked you a delicious cake. Why are you doing this? I just thought we could enjoy it together. I thought we were buddies. <laughs> exactly. Or like reading through any game that, you know, I'm watching people work on. I watched a whole bunch of coworkers work on the Fire Emblem games and to see the the people like they get like, well, but they seem to have forgotten in this version. It's like, oh my goodness. There's no such thing as enough passion in this world because there's always, I mean, it's those classic Simpsons episodes like, ah, yep. you can see, like, in this episode, you, Zena was riding a winged Appalachia, but in the very next scene, it's like, oh, a wizard did it. Like, <laughs> those people exist, and it is infuriating when you see it happen. It's like, oh. oh the well actually the contingent. Of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, did you, speaking of the well actually contingent, um, did you see that there was a, it was a meme or somebody put, it was, it was a terrible dad joke, but I loved it. It was, where does the mansplainer get his water? Where? From the well, actually. <laughs> I thought that was, that was pretty good. <laughs> My my favorite meme recently was um, an image of Darth Maul like with the dual saber, and he's got the first half of the saber turned on. Like I haven't seen Parasite, and the other half turns on. But it's like people <laughs> with opinions. Uh, that's a good one. I am. Um, I've been eating up stuff like that. There was a. There's a guy. Have you ever heard of Drinking Quest? Oh, that seems really familiar. It's it's card based, like short play D and D, but mm. as a drinking game. And the oh, guy perfect. that makes it is uh, Jason Anarchy. They like do a whole bunch of like random games. He's Canadian. He's always at PAX. And mm -hmm. um, his Twitter account one week he said, you know, he just picked each day he was going to do a different themed batch of puns. <laughs> Because he's just weird like that, like, he'll just, and so he goes today. I, uh, it's all about sausage puns, and so he he wrote this one that I, it was it was such a great dad joke, and I wrote it on the blackboard at work. I liked it so much, and um, it, and I'm I'm trying to replay put it back together in my head. Um, it's what does Bill Murray and a butcher shop have in common? What every day is Groundhog Day. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I really enjoyed that. Oh, <laughs> <And> man. I, <laughs> because a good dad joke goes a long way. 
Oh, good dad jokes are so. Huh. That's. I think I was just born a dad because I've always enjoyed a good dad joke. It's it's impossible. Like I'm sure you have to fight every time one of your kids says, "I'm bored," or "I'm hungry," or "I'm thirsty." Uh-huh. Like, nice to meet you, hungry. I'm dad. Oh, and you can't kids, help it. it you, you can't, can't help not it. do it. <laughs> it just happens every time. Like just 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 pours right out. Really, I thought your name was Ava. I'm sorry. <laughs> exactly. Oh my! What is the best dad joke I've heard in a while? Like, I did love the one where you know you say, "Oh, have you seen the new movie? Uh, the new trailer for the movie Constipation?" <laughs> I mean, it hasn't come out yet, but <laughs> it's just oh, beautiful like dad joke. Like, oh, that's so stupid. <laughs> It's so stupid, but it's wonderful. Oh, so you were saying one. I? Oh yeah, go for it. Here, here comes oh, the good yeah, one. Yeah. Now we're on our dad joke rolls. Okay, uh, so um, so how do you catch a polar bear? I don't know. So you cut a hole in the ice and you line it with peas, and when the polar bear comes to take a pea, you kick him in the ice hole. <laughs> <laughs> that is classic. Good classic. <laughs> So I was going to say, I, n- be, because you walked me into this, and I'm going to feel really bad doing it, but I'm going to do it anyway. You mentioned that you have, you're enjoying your current job, and I don't want to have you talk about that on a podcast and get in trouble. <laughs> but what, what do you do now if you can talk about it at all? Uh, so currently I am at a little marketing agency in Portland. Um, it's called Caffelli. Uh It's uh, family-owned, or at least a family like it, ha- it has a family connection to the, the name. I, I forget the exact. It's on the website. It's there. Uh, basically, it's a family name from the, the CEO, owner, um, like head of the company. In his past, like previous um, history with the name, like I think in Lima, um, Peru. And like he's like, oh, this is a good name. It's It has family meeting so he named the current company that um it's a small little like marketing agency of like 20 people or so um i do i'm one of the writers there i do a lot of social media work for some clients um it's you know it's this is where i pull up that beat it's it's not much but it's honest work no exactly man that's all that's all you can ask for Mm -hmm. and it's been like the people that i work with i i love the people i work with um, it's, it's always nice when you, you have people who just kind of get you and you just you can have these conversations. I had a, one of my coworkers came over just yesterday and, and stayed for hours. And we, I'm like, Oh, have you ever seen the grand list of RPG cliches? They're like, no, what is this? I'm like, Oh, let me take you back to like GeoCities time with his old website. Let's go over these like 200 plus RPG cliches. And just remind yes. yourself of the crazy yes. old days. Let us lose ourselves in GeoCities for the afternoon. <laughs> that's that's how you that that that's how you um you know you're with familiars like we can walk up and go so both our wives are gone today what are we going to do let's hang out for the afternoon and drink and look at newgrounds videos oh newgrounds (laughs) is so good or or you know what i haven't watched in a while are strong bad emails over and over and over again (laughs) why watch them let's just quote them back and forth to each other i mean right that's yep Oh man, and and you cannot get ye flask. Yeah, that... <laughs> what function key do I got to press to make that happen again? 
Uh, Sometimes you just have to go get an ice cream sandwich. Strong Bad has to go get an ice cream sandwich. One of my favorites, and I still, I still go back to this um, all the time. If I ever have a Mountain Dew in my hand, I, I can't help but tip it upside down. This is like the never-ending soda. <laughs> never-ending soda. <laughs> I can't, I can't help it. And when um, Stranger Things did their never-ending story bit in season three, oh, I was just dying because okay. all I thought about the whole time was Homestar Runner. Mm. Oh man! Yeah, so what are, about what, they... so, what was that? What What is Homestar Runner doing these days? Still, still so, kind of doing their thing. Yeah. So yeah. So so the brothers Chaps ended up being a big part of um of uh the Aquabats and Yo Gabba Gabba's stuff. Mm. Okay. So, and that makes a lot of sense, right? When when you think about oh, yeah. it, um, and so, but and they had kids, you know, they they did the us thing, but um, every year now at least there's at least one new thing up, and there's a very active strong bad Twitter account that I believe is them, that's, oh, that's really good. friggin' funny. Um, <laughs> but I uh, yeah, enjoy, it, I enjoy like being in social media. I enjoy a good like well-managed social media account like wendy's the best so good i think they're untouchable personally i i I don't know when they decided they were going to have a good social media account but they they just went for it i mean i i just appreciate from a purely like random fast food standpoint and i will fight people for fast food because i love it like wendy's like where else can you go to get a square hamburger some fries a frosty a baked potato and chili yeah they've got ten dollars they've got it cornered man like the the only other the only other place in the world i've been like that is um is in canada in upstate maine and it's called um wow i'm gonna forget the name of this place and people are gonna get really angry tim horton's there we go. Hortons. Tim Hortons is like, have, have you been to Tim Hortons? I have not, but I am familiar with Tim Hortons. Tim Hortons is like, what if we took a Wendy's and a Panera and a Dunkin' Donuts and like jammed them together into one place? It's very oh, weird, <laughs> but they're everywhere. And so it's like, you know, you pull over and you go, I know that when I pull into this place, I'm going to be able to get a hot cup of soup and a sandwich and a baked potato and a coffee and donuts you know what I mean? It's just like so friggin' random. The idea of getting like drive through chili is just like <laughs> what am I gonna do with this? Give me more give me more of your canister gruel, please. Yeah, like please give give me a baked potato. So like give me something I have to assemble while driving. This is a good idea. And I need to and use a fork and knife to eat. Wendy's baked potato. Uh, it, <laughs> I don't know what they do, but they somehow get baked potatoes that have a thinner skin. So you could literally pick that up with a fork and just take bites out of it. Yeah, and that's uh, that's kind of what it turns into eventually. You know the 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 way um most people around here, like the the Southie Irish in Boston over here, just eat raw potatoes. From what I've there been you told. Go. <laughs> Jesus, Mark Wahlberg's gonna come to my house and kick my ass or something. <laughs> I told you not to talk about that anymore, kid. Oh, all right. Uh, wow. Rocky Mark, no. Rocky Mark's here. I was I was in a transformer. Yeah, yes, yes, you were, Mark. Oh, Jesus. Anyway, so you yeah. you also um I I see from your link um 
still do podcasts and such. Yes, every so often, me and my buddy Kyle will still do more episodes of uh, Media Sandwich podcasts. Um, is, slash is Media Sandwich do. your your thing? So it is our thing. Um, nice. It was what we it, we named the podcast we did on the Escapist, and then they basically after they let us go, we're like, we have the name back, and they're like, yeah, we don't really care, we don't need it anymore. Like, okay, cool. So we took that back. And so Media Sandwich has been, uh, was our thing. And it's like every so often we'll get together and we'll do a podcast. We also did a spinoff um, we called Drat, which is Dad's Review a Thing. I see and that too. Just, I like that too. And like basically every time we do something that we like both watch, we're like, we got to talk about that. So like we did, uh, pretty sure we our most recent one was on Star Wars. It was. Because we've both seen that. We're like, oh, we got to get this out. Here we go. Um. What else I got him to like every, like every episode we always make empty promises like all right so by next episode I'm going to show Kyle all the John Wick movies we're going to talk about that and then of course like a year later okay I finally showed him all the John Wick movies dads am I right am I right am I right like the, yeah the assumption is like whoever like, we have a couple people that listen to us uh, mostly just like friends and old fans from back in the day and a lot of it's just unexcused to, for us to get together like okay so we need to get together and have a have ourselves a you know a baked potato and chili and then just talk about a thing for you know two hours the this totally wasn't recorded at wendy's podcast oh no we will we'll be naked about that like here we are in our local wendy's we're not letting them close they may have closed the dining room and the drive throughs only open but we're still here <laughs> and we're and we're and we're throwing french fries at the store manager over and over again while we do this all right, podcast update. We are being ejected from the Wendy's. We're going to the Arby's across the parkway. Yeah, fuck you, Wendy's. We're going to go eat subpar roast beef sandwiches. Oh, another side tangent on Arby's. I love Arby's for the fact their signature item is, what's your signature item, Arby's? It's a fistful of meat. Okay, what's your, like, specialty signature item? We put some cheese on it. Okay. Arby's is an interesting conundrum. So... <laughs> Around here, Arby's is the type of restaurant that has not been able to succeed in Massachusetts. And by that fact, basically the North Shore of Massachusetts, which is where I live, we have this strange culmination of Greek people that Greek immigrants that, you know, all have roast beef shops. <laughs> and in the rest of the country, that's a, they have a what shop? You mean a sub shop? I'm like, no, 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 no. They have roast beef shops and they're all like Gino's famous roast beef, Nick's mm-hmm. famous roast beef, you know, Giovanni's famous roast beef. You know, you go down and down and down and they all make the same kind of thing. It's a hot sliced roast beef sandwich. And the, you know, this is, I'm talking like the, you know, the Philly cheesesteak guys, but mm-hmm. y- you, you get it three way, which is sauce, mayonnaise and cheese. And that's like the key thing. And so when Arby's opened up in Massachusetts, it was like, oh, cool. You know, a franchised roast beef place. You go there and go, no, sorry guys. And it's, it's a bummer. Cause the other stuff they make is pretty good. Yeah. But that, that roast beef offends all of us so much that we just, <laughs> we, we chased Arby's out with pitchforks and sent them back up to their <laughs> castle tower. <laughs> <laughs> oh man what's the sad part about Oregon is that i we have this like really deep longing for food that 
anywhere in the nation would like wish that they could go to Oregon to get, but we don't have any like culinary treats. Like we don't have like Southern barbecue comfort food. We don't have like spectacular steaks or, or, or burgers, or we don't even like do coffee that great. Like most of our best coffee comes from Seattle. And it's like, what, what in Oregon do we do? Like we do chain restaurants really well. So when you need to come get the, best darn red robin you come to oregon yeah, yeah you've you've have you had a subpar experience at the olive garden well do i have a surprise for you i mean when you're here you're really family oh man yeah we we definitely have our it's weird about around here about how open we are to fast food restaurants when they have nothing to do with what we think we do well do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. will fast food Chinese sweet come on in? You know what I mean? Like, um, you know, fast food Italian sweet come in, you know, or unless it's near the north end. You, mm. But you know, things that don't that had a hard time working around here. Fast food pizza has a hard time working around here. Like, yeah, we just recently started getting the Little Caesars hot and ready, but Little Caesars around here. Everyone goes and orders the shit fresh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like they don't know. I don't want the pizza you made three hours ago. I want it made this way because I'm picky, you know, <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, seafood, red lobster cannot exist here. Oh, do totally you know what not. I mean? It's impossible yeah. for it to exist here. Um, it, it, it's really weird that like, like I, and I wondered why it took Sonic so long to get up here. And then it's the realization a bunch of Sonics open and then they went, huh, we really can't have the whole outside drive up your car thing in the winter time. So then all of the Sonics, they, they renovated them into just what, you know, what they are a McDonald's, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? They happen to be open all night, which makes everybody happy, but, um, yeah, it's very strange. Oregon has really good beer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. don't drink. So. Exactly. <laughs> That's the tough part is everyone's like, yeah, you guys have really good tap houses and craft beer. Like you, you I do. we do. We you definitely do. do. Um, I've heard that Oregon has a whole lot of rich hipster kids that decided it was better to live the poor life. Uh, well, you know, yes and no. There's also a lot of student debt, which, you know, then they yes. say, oh, yeah, yes. we. We love to live the poor life. I it's said that with a bit of life. a tongue-in-cheek thing because <laughs> because I know both sides of that. But <laughs> oh, totally. No, there's. I mean, Portland is a weird, weird, weird place, and like we have, like I've had friends, um, coworkers who have moved from the deep south, and they come up here, and she's like, "I'm so glad to be out of the deep south." Like, why? Like, I love Portland because I am so glad to get rid of racism and. Me and my friends look at we like, well, I hate to tell you, but we're like super racist here too. Like well, not like patting ourselves on the back, but like Portland, like, but but no, it's not like no, it's not the same there. There it's everywhere. Here it's quiet. It's yeah, really nasty. It's strange that like I felt a bigger sense of comfort driving around in the Carolinas where, you know, they just look you right in the face and tell you that they're Nazis. You know what I yeah. mean? If they are, whereas, you know, people go, 
like, oh, you guys are so privileged there. You just don't have to deal with it. You know what I mean? All the different racial yeah. things and everything. And I go, have you ever been to Boston? <laughs> it's like we have some of the most horrifically racist white people in the entire country. <laughs> and they're liberals. It doesn't make Portland, any goddamn sense. Yeah. Portland's big thing is like, is Portland racist? Like, eh, I mean, you know, no more racist than most places, but it's like. Are we outwardly racist? No. And it's happened because of the way they built the city has pretty much kept all the races out. And it's explained yeah. to people like, this is like the reality, guys. And I'm not happy with that. But here you go. Like, be aware that this is like every place has got their faults. Oh, yeah. You, you just yeah. kind of have to, you got to get a good radar for it. Yeah. And just do whatever you can to subdue those people yeah it's, get, a, it's take their voices away yeah like all you have to do is take like public transit a few times in portland and you see the rest of the world you're like yep. oh this is what portland doesn't like to talk about it's like uh-huh like this is this is not fun like portland you made me think it would be like no it's not there's a there's a man taking a leak on the public train like okay like okay this is our day yep, yep. well Good, sir. Um, I think that I need to slot you as someone that gets to be on here a whole lot more. I would love to have you back on again. Um, Absolutely. It is very late in the morning for me now. And I realized that we went for an hour and 40 minutes, which means that um, we had a good time. So I was going to leave you with um, anything else you want to say, plug, point people towards. I would also like to say that if you ever want a guest for one of your shows, I'd love to be on because I just like talking to you, dude. Nice. Yeah, this is fun. I mean, you're a Chris, I'm a Chris. Chris is just we get one another. Exactly. Exactly. And um, and I'm glad and I'm glad you still wanted to talk to me after you found that I wasn't Chris Pratt, so that's really cool too. <laughs> There's too many Chris's out there. I mean, one I'll, of these days. Before you get to your final thing, that reminded me of my favorite thing from the Lego movie DVD. Have you ever seen the Lego movie or watched any of the behind the scenes stuff? I haven't seen the behind-the-scenes stuff. I've seen so, the movie. The behind-the-scenes stuff, Emmett takes you on the behind-the-scenes journey to, like, oh, all... So they have Emmett, like, taking you around and talking to, like, here's the head animator, and here's the producer, and here's Chris Pratt. You know, he, like, interviews himself and all that. But they go... <laughs> They go, hey, everybody, I want to introduce you to the guy that they just hired to do my voice. This is the first day I'm going to get to talk to him. And I'm so excited because he played Captain Kirk in Star Trek. Everybody, Chris Pine. And then they they open the door and Chris Pratt's there and you hear someone talk in his ear. Who the hell is Chris Pratt? And they just cut to the next thing. And I'm like, this is wonderful. <laughs> anyway, so, yes, the, the, the uh, soapbox is yours, sir. Oh boy! Oh, so my random soapbox has to be. I took I took the five year old out today to see the Sonic the Hedgehog movie, and oh. in my last in my last moment <laughs> this podcast, I have to say that was a hell of a lot of fun. It was good. I'm see. I'm hoping that when I see it, I'm going to have a hell of a lot of fun too. I, uh, I I definitely recommend going with the kid because it will feel. Right, I suppose. Like I've been really lucky. All of my friends who've gone and and people I follow, for the most part, been pretty pleased with the movie. At least they're like, "Hey, this is basically what we had hoped for." And you know, I had a good time, and my five year old had a good time, and he because he 
obsesses over Sonic the Hedgehog in general. And it, I don't know where that came from, other than like he's like he says he's a zoomer because my son's always running places. So of course, as soon as he finds out about Sonic the Hedgehog, he's got to go fast. I'm like, well, this is this is your this is your guy, I guess. You know what though? At the end of the day, isn't that all that matters? Yeah. Like I want to go to a video game movie and hear it click with a five-year-old living right now because we deserved that as five-year-olds playing it the first time and we didn't get it. So they should make the movie that we can admire, but it should be for them. Mm -hmm. That's the way I look at it. And I think, I think people miss that sometimes I'll hold my, uh, my thoughts on it till I see it. My brother really didn't like it. Um, I, God, I didn't (laughs) expect him to, but he didn't really like it. And, um, it's kind of a bummer, but sometimes too, though, he, he has a way of coming around on things. Like I remember he was really hard on the, the Jack Black Jumanji movie. Yeah. And that I think needs, you need to be able to see it through the right lens. Like the original Jumanji is not really a great film. I love it, but it's not this untouchable thing that you can't do differently again. And I really like what they did, you know? Um, so cool. I'm glad to hear that. That, that Sonic was a good experience for you. Yeah, at least for me. Like, I can't speak to anyone else, and if other people don't like it, then, I, you know, no no shame on them. It's not going to be... <laughs> this This one's not the, the a masterpiece necessarily, but it's also like, we knew what we were getting, I suppose. Yeah, that's and, good. And I had a hell, a hell of a lot of fun with it. I, I laughed a bunch, and I was, I was laughing more than my son was, because, you know, some jokes are still going over his head. And it's just... It's just so good to see Jim Carrey just decide to be like Jim Carrey again. Yeah, dude. Did you see him going around on the circuit yeah. promoting this? Did oh. you see the interview where he did the Grinch thing? And what delights me, here's one of my weirdest, like, not shames at all. I'll, I love this. I love Jim Carrey's Grinch. That movie is one of my favorite movies that everyone seems to hate. And I'm like, I don't care. I love that movie. It's, I just love it. I love the original too, the original animated version. But I love the Jim Carrey live action as well. Cool, man. Well, um, on, on that note, I am going to say that I have to go to sleep. Absolutely. All right, dude. I, um, I will hold off. There's, there's a game that I like to play with guests that I forgot to break out this time because – I stopped doing it for a little while. The next time you're on, we're going to have to play it. It's a lot of fun. But Absolutely. thank thank you, Chris, for, for shooting the shit with Chippa. And I'm so glad I got to learn all that stuff about you live and didn't just <laughs> Google because it probably would have been more awkward to talk about them and bring them up when I'm like, oh, shit, he had a interesting way of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was fun. I'm glad I got to chat with you.